This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to my favorite murder, the Minisode. It's mini. I have to throw um, treats at Cookie throughout the entire recording, otherwise she'll go upstairs and bark. So if I look, just my hands are moving around a lot. All right. All right. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. The subject line of this one is death row optometrist. Hello, my queens. Longtime listener from almost the beginning. First time writer. Hey. Hi. Hey. So you know how so many convicted serial killers wear those creepy glasses? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> which is a pretty hilarious sta- uh, question slash statement. Well, I know the guy that kept their prescriptions up to date. Just all, all of them everywhere. <laughs> those serial killers. I've known for many years now that my husband's uncle, let's call him Uncle Rex, used to work as an optometrist in the prison system. Wow. But it wasn't until a river trip this year that I was finally able to corner him to, all caps, tell me everything. <laughs> Here, my friends, is what he told me. While Uncle Rex was raising his family in Santa Cruz, California, mm-hmm. in the 80s and through the aughts, he was working as a contract optometrist for prisons all over California. One of his contracts was for tending to the eyes of the inmates of San Quentin, mm-hmm. the only death row prison in the state. This death row was home to some of the worst. Rodney Alcala, Charles Manson, Charles Ng, Richard Ramirez. The list really does go on. Ugh. Uncle Rex, along with one nurse, would see each prisoner over the course of the year to update their glasses, prescriptions, and treat any eye ailments. My God. Like, wh- I didn't even, it didn't cross my mind that that needed to be, yeah, of course it needs to be a job. Yeah, totally. That's wild there'd be like a clinic or whatever obviously doctors on hand but autonomous that's like specialty yeah Mm -hmm. wow um the exam room was a pretty intimate setting he had to be cordial with his patients to get up close and personal and do his work but he wasn't allowed to take any quote-unquote gifts from them which apparently they were always trying to give him he'd be given magazines books food Cards for his children's birthdays, in parentheses, ew. And he'd have to have a witness watch him throw these items in the trash at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. He also worked at the California Medical Facility where our hometown serial Ed Kemper was incarcerated. And he told me that he was friendly and polite and that actor Cameron Britton did an excellent job portraying him in Mindhunter. Which we all already knew. That's, <laughs> but that's like from an inside man. What that's a huge cool. compliment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This optometrist doesn't say people are good actors willy nilly. No. He's very discerning. Absolutely. 
I asked him if after literally staring deeply into the eyes of all these murderers, rapists, and sociopaths, Mm. he could see something missing or different in their gaze. He said he really couldn't most of the time, Mm. except, (laughs) and this is maybe one of my favorite, uh, what's a mistyping? Oh, mistyping. Typo. Typo. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite typo of all time, except David Manson. Who gave him the major creeps? <laughs> David Manson, the brother, the famous brother of Charles Manson. Everyone knows he he played jazz trumpet. You know David Manson. He went to he went to white collar prison for some uh, just some simple you know for being bad at tennis tax evasion. <laughs> oh my god! David Manson gave him the major creeps, and then he said, "And pedophiles, as a rule, had the worst eyesight." <gasps> what does that mean? I don't know. That's just not one optometrist's opinion. You know, we're, this is alleged. Okay. Uh, so there you have it. To this day, Uncle Rex will still get letters and phone calls from prisoners (gasps) at his home, which he does not answer. Thanks for the show and the community that you've created, Zika. Wow. Insight. (laughs) Amazing. Insight. That's fascinating. Like he had a, you know, optometrists have to get up close and like look at your eyeballs. So he was like faced. I hope he didn't say anything about a security guard in there with them. Well, it's a it's San Quentin. So I think it's rife with security guards. Yeah. But like an AKA prison guards. But he said him and a nurse. What did I say? Security. guard. (laughs) He didn't have a bouncer with him. That's crazy. (laughs) What about a a bodyguard of his own? (laughs) Okay. I mean, they must have had it set up in some kind of way. My thing is, I think it's very compelling that he said looking in the eyes of a, say, sociopath isn't different. I think that's the thing people should keep in mind. You're not. We all want to hear like, yep, I was able to see it. And then that's how you know. But that's not. Because we all want to be com- like comforted that we would spot it. Yeah, you're not going to. No. So so sorry. All right, this one we've been talking about the Tama Shantern a little bit lately, mm-hmm. and we just happened to get one called "Good Times at the Tama Shantern." Oh hell yeah, Shanter, Shanter, which is one of our favorite restaurants uh, here in town. All right, hi loveys. Just finished Minnesota two fifty four and listening to your Heimlich maneuver chat. It made me think of my waitressing days at the Tam O'Shanter Inn <laughs> and the don't let your patrons die training we all received. Yes. For those who don't know, the Tam is a charming, old timey, Scottish-ish restaurant in the furthest reaches of northern L.A. where Walt Disney had a favorite table and costume carolers sing tableside from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. It's really charming. Also, it's that's what they ba- the 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 animators at disney used to go there and uh snow white and the seven dwarves houses are based on what the tamo shanter looks like oh i didn't know that yeah anyway it's a favorite of all old people real life gypsies who knew and pharmaceutical reps looking to impress doctors with free prime rib (laughs) it's also haunted as fuck um and then it says but i digress The restaurant staff is costumed, Google it, and trained in the art of keeping their geriatric guests alive. Everyone is encouraged to be CPR certified and instructed to keep an eye on the guests, especially older women, and check the bathrooms if they've been away from the table too long. Ooh. We were told that women would excuse themselves and die in a bathroom before they would call attention to the embarrassing acts of choking, stroke, or heart attack, and we needed to be on the lookout. I thought bullshit, but I was wrong. (laughs) 
One night I was working the closing shift and we were down to three tables, a middle-aged couple, two older ladies left over in a side room, and a group of swingers wannabes who kept asking me, but what else would I have seen you in? Nothing notable, you fuckwits, or I wouldn't be your waitress. So I guess she's an actress. The couple left. I did my closing side works. The D-bag fellas, what were hipster millennial types even called in 2001, ordered more drinks because of course. And the older woman at the two top had nodded off and dropped her spoon while her friend continued to sip at her soup. And whichever one of you guessed the ending, yep. Upon clearing their table in an effort to get the woman to leave, my incredible busser, Ignacio, shout out to all the bussers out there, it's a slog and you're underappreciated, discovered that the sleeping woman was, in fact, not breathing. He commenced with giving her CPR while the manager called 911 and the friend kept repeating, I didn't want to make a scene. I thought she was just tired. Uh, Ladies dying politely was suddenly trending at the restaurant. Two weeks later, a woman choked on a bite of steak at one of my tables and had to be rescued by, you guessed it, Ignacio, giving her the Heimlich. Technically an almost death, but come on. The woman later told us that by the time she stood up for help, which was well into her choking, she was starting to see black and pass out. <gasps> what oh, the Jesus. fuck? This oh. is serious stuff, girlfriends. There are simply not enough Ignacios to go around. Stay sexy, ladies, and yell when a life depends on it, Danielle. Choking hazards, it's an important message that Danielle is trying to send to everybody. So right. we should all listen. All right. This is a badass grandpa story. It says, hey, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, usual pleasantries, let's jump in. My great-grandfather, Cornelius, lived in the Netherlands before moving to Canada with my grandfather, Renus. Renus. It's the running joke in our family that our frugality comes from being Dutch, and my great-grandfather exemplified that in the most badass way. When the Nazis were taking over Holland in the 1940s, my great-grandfather Cornelius was having none of that shit. They were asked to turn in their livestock to the Nazis. Instead, my family hid the chickens and the other farm animals in the attic. <laughs> oh, no, those poor animals. I was like, what the fuck? Better that than just being yes. killed. Yes. Um, along with hiding Canadian soldiers in the walls. Oh, Fuck. When the Nazis came calling, they had the young children make lots of noise to cover the sounds of the animals and the soldiers. Yeah. They were also asked to turn in their rubber bike tires for the war effort. Instead, my family buried them in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> when the war was over, Cornelius dug them up and was the first one riding his bike in town. <laughs> yeah, he was. Cornelius. He's What's like, that? this will end at some point. Yeah. It's fine. And we're not Everybody. giving this shit to the Nazis. Fuck no. those guys. They don't just get to take everything that's good. Yeah. One night, Cornelius went to use the outhouse to find it already occupied by a German soldier. He never spoke of the details, but one of them came back and the other did not. <gasps> Stay sexy and shove the Nazis down the shitter, Joel. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Oh, damn. Damn, for real. The Netherlands during World War II, the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands. Yeah. Now I want to like read a book, watch a yeah. documentary, like, because there was something that was just on, um, that I was flipping through on TV that w I was like, I can't do a World War thing story right now. <laughs> <laughs> World War II story right now. It's too but one day, one day. But I do, but it is like the way people, you know. We've we've told a couple stories. Yeah. Of like when people do the um, resistance, 
Thank do what you. they can. Resistance fighters. Yeah. There were yeah. lots of resistance fighters in the Netherlands. Totally. Small and big. Yeah. Cornelia. Yeah. <laughs> They're peace loving people. Don't fuck with them. Also, they love their bikes. I mean, if they anybody love loves bikes. their bikes, <laughs> it's those people. That was the last straw. Uh, then they came for our bikes. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to read you the line. That's the thing of this. Hi, Georgia, Karen, Stephen, and pets. I feel like at some point you've requested wilderness survival stories, but if not, here's one anyway. It's a great area. I support it entirely. It's great. I'm from a small town in East Tennessee where being one with nature is really one of the only things to do. And the mountains and rivers are its only redeeming quality. (laughs) A few years ago, while I was visiting for Christmas. My dad, stepmom and younger brother decided to go on a hike and I joined last minute. I'm more of an indoor cat, so I thought that a hoodie, some yoga pants, and tennis shoes would be fine. It wasn't insanely cold outside. We left at like 11 a.m., and the hike was only supposed to take a couple hours. So we started up the mountain, and maybe halfway through, we came to a split. Neither side was well-maintained, and there were no signs, so it wasn't clear which one was the obvious right way. But my dad likes to think he's bare-fucking-grillis, so (laughs) instead of playing it safe and turning our geek squad around, he said, let's go this way, and let us down the pathway to hell. Uh Uh-oh. So we went down the wrong, quote, trail for so long that by the time it finally dawned on him that we should go back, it was completely dark. And since we weren't on a clear path to begin with, it wasn't like we could just retrace our steps. The temperature plummeted and it started raining. We had no cell service. We barely had any food. We had been out there for several hours and I remember stopping and sobbing hysterically saying I didn't want to die like this. And my dad getting mad at me for, quote, being a baby. Dance. Yep. We eventually decided that the only way we were getting down was if we went down the side of the steep as fuck bluffs. So we literally started sliding down the hill on our butts. And remember how I wore yoga pants? Turns out that $7 pair from Amazon wasn't very durable. The ground ripped right through them and my underwear. And eventually I was sliding down on my bare ass. But thankfully it went numb after a while. <laughs> At one point during our adventure down the worst slip and slide I've ever been on, my dad checked his phone and finally had service. So we called 911 and they got a rescue squad out to find us. It took several hours, but they finally located us and helped us rappel down the side of the mountain. We got a very prestigious motor card of four wheelers to drive us out to the entrance and transfer us into ambulances. It's fucking serious. It was past midnight by the time we got to the hospital, and the doctor said that if we had been out there even just a few more hours, we likely would have died. My brother, dad, and I ended up being fine, but my stepmom had hypothermia and had to stay in the hospital for a few days. Jesus Christ. I know. This is serious. I had some very intense road rash on my ass and literally could not (laughs) sit down for days. And I had to wear adult diapers because of how oozy it was. So that was super fun. But hey, at least I didn't die from not being able to complete what should have been a fairly simple hike because that would have been embarrassing. Anyway, stay sexy and don't go hiking with my dad. (laughs) Meredith, (laughs) she, her. Agreed, Meredith. Not a problem. (laughs) Like that is a nightmare territory. Calling 911 at that point, like asking for help because you're fucking lost to shit is like. It's an, it's like not so not worth it. No, stay home. Jesus Christ. Or know the path. Yes. But 
Yes. That combination of the two is <laughs> that feeling when suddenly it's like, oh, this isn't we're not messing around anymore. This yeah, is bad. It's dark. We've all done versions of it. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, you don't actually know what you're doing. Oh, okay. no. Yeah. Mm, great. Georgia, is there anything scarier than trying to log into an account and it tells you that your password is incorrect? And then you try again and it's the same thing. And after a few more failed attempts, big red letters appear saying you've been locked out and your account is suspended. That happens to me all the time, Karen. But scary password stories can have happy endings if you give 1Password a try. 1Password is a user-friendly password management system. It's trusted by consumers, families, small businesses, and large-scale enterprises. If you're tired of being the family member everyone texts for a streaming login or the unofficial keeper of all those shared work credentials, it's time for you to pass the torch to 1Password. They allow for secure login sharing. With 1Password, you can securely store more than just passwords, autofill everything from usernames to payments details and personal info. They'll also notify you about potential data breaches. 1Password saves everyone time. And in many cases, that save time equals money saved. The accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. I mean, you should, but don't just do that. The Associated Press uses 1Password to secure their sensitive information in high-risk areas. Right now, our listeners can get a two-week free trial at onepasswordcom MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com slash mfm onepassword.com slash mfm goodbye the subject line of this email is hometown story chippendales Uh hey (laughs) y'all and here we go short sweet and straight to the point episode 300 you asked for chippendale stories and you triggered a lost memory my mom went to a local bar in the 90s to see the scantily dressed men in person after their set they came to the floor and walked around doing lap dances (gasps) And shaking, well, you know. <laughs> My mom was what? walking. <laughs> maracas? Did they have maracas? In a way, they, they're like maracas, yes. My mom was walking to the bar when one flipped his luscious hair and hit her square in the face with his head. <laughs> oh like no. broken tooth and swollen nose in the face. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, what did she get from this en- encounter, you ask? A picture with almost nude guys with her face swollen, red, and without a tooth. Oh to God. which she'd come home to a seven-year-old daughter to explain, A, what the heck happened to her face, B, who did it, and C, why she had a picture with eight almost nude guys. <laughs> Stay sexy and watch out for the male dancers with long hair, Keisha. That's a good one. <laughs> That's she- great. Her mom got headbutted by a Chippendales dancer <laughs> with long Fabio 90s hair. That's and, then, and all she got out of it was a photo. That's <laughs> a all photo she got. with the whole cast. Yeah. She's like, okay, her, if you don't bonus. sue us, <laughs> you can get everyone in one photo. Oh, my we'll God. Get, we'll, we'll crowd the guys together and give that to you. Yeah. All right. This one's short and sweet, too. It's called We Could Have Been Rich. Hi, Karen and Georgia. Love the show, et cetera, et cetera. I was listening to Minnesota 247 when you talked about a four-year-old making bank runs for her dad, which, by the way, is the new Nick Terry video on YouTube. So make sure you check that out. Um, when I remembered a funny slash heartbreaking story my mom told me. My mom was born in 1975, and sometime in the mid-80s, my grandmother, Beverly, amazing, started sending my mom to the store to play her lottery numbers. <laughs> Yes, this also amazing. This also took place in New York City. So as you can imagine, the neighborhood number hole, as my grandmother calls it, (laughs) 
was not the best place for a child. Anyway, my mom apparently made these runs all the time and my grandmother never hit the jackpot. So eventually my mom decided there was no harm in using that money for something else mm. like snacks. So yes. she just stopped buying the fucking lottery ticket. <laughs> Guess where this is going? Yes. yes. This went on for who knows how long until one day my grandma excitedly asked my mom for her ticket because, all caps, her numbers hit the jackpot. Fuck. Knowing the trouble she would be in if she told the truth, my mom told my grandma some older kids took the money from her so she couldn't play the numbers. My grandma felt so bad she didn't even ask any more questions about it. And she doesn't know what really happened till this day. Stay sexy and remember kids are liars. Ty. (laughs) (laughs) I love that lesson. (laughs) They would have been... Was it all the numbers? Like, they could have been wealthy. I mean, but you know what? That's that thing is like, but they weren't supposed to be. Right. It's that, And also, if you're so... If you're so convinced you're going to win, don't send a six-year-old with your <laughs> with your task. If it's that important, be a little more responsible with your ticket it's gonna, buying. You're rolling extra dice by sending a child to do your errand because every every story in human history is a child going somewhere with a task that they don't fucking do. Right. Hello, Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, and at all. <laughs> <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood. How many more fucking stories of kids fucking up do you need to hear before you stop giving them important errands? That's right. They're ki- they're kids and they're liars. They're, um, they're fucking liars. And they'll buy candy is the only yes. thing that matters. They can't see a world where like a lottery is won. They're right. just like, there's a Snickers right there. I keep giving this guy money for no reason. Yeah. I used to break into my sister's little kid, uh, What's it called? Safe. You know, the like shitty little kid ones. Oh, Steal, yeah. change, go across the street to the grocery and get a fucking bag of Reese's pieces and a squeeze it. Just yes. stole all her money. Yeah. Sorry, Lee. Right. Yeah. Lee, you must have known. You <laughs> she were, knew. She you knows. were partially compliant. My dad had a bowl of change that he would empty. we come home from yeah. work and empty his pockets into a bowl of change. Oh, my God. And that was our bowl of change. Yes, my it dad was. would be like, stay, hey, stay out of our, stay out of my bowl of change. Where are the like, quarters? Okay, go. sounds good. It's just like, <laughs> you don't need them. You yeah. have money. Yeah. 60 this cents. We taking it. Yes. I need to take my candy quarters. That's right. Uh, send us your story of, of stealing from your parents or lying to your parents. <gasps> uh, yeah. Or doing a thing like that lottery move, which is we all have it. Like yeah. the big, What's the thing you fucked up as a child yes. that was this big? Like, I remember I lost for, um, I sold Girl, Girl Scout cookies uh-huh. and it was this big sheet that yes. came with the set yes. that people had to fill out. Yes. And I lost that. Oh, sheet. that's and my huge. Mom, and my mom, uh, had taken it to work. So all these people yeah. signed up so that I could try to win the cookie <gasps> a thon or whatever. And so you just had to keep all the cookies. No, no. She brought it to work and just said, um, what what is what's the phrase honor um, system yes honor system with the cookies because oh my God. there was no way to check it <laughs> fucking Karen lost <laughs> she she brought it up for uh yeah. seven years yeah what's that. the thing that they still bring up about to prove your response you're irresponsible but it's something you did when you were 11 and how yes. did they and like can it's something it you did where it's like hey how about I don't get a sales job when I'm nine <laughs> years old because I'm gonna fuck it up how about yeah that? yeah how about I, be, how about I don't I, become a fucking admin assistant and fucking yeah. have to fill out paperwork that I don't how about understand if, if 
it's this important, you as the adult take it and put it some fucking right, where. Right. Because I'm not going to. I don't have a lot of experience yeah. with highly important paper documents. I feel so justified now. It feels so much better. I do sick too. Of, sick of feeling guilty for that stupid shit. It was your <laughs> 70s parent, parenting <laughs> minus, not mine. Um, if you guys want to hear one more fascinating, amazing story from each of us hometown, join the fan cult. They're all up there. Tons of them. And if you want to hear me kind of go to therapy, then just listen to this mini set because that's what I did. That's what I decided to do. <laughs> and oh, also um, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Associate producer, Alejandra Keck. Engineer and mixer, Stephen Ray Morris. Researchers, Jay Elias and Haley Gray. Send us your hometowns and your fucking hoorays at myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. And for more information about this podcast, our live shows, merch, or to join the fan cult, go to myfavoritemurder.com. Rate, review, and subscribe! <laughs>